What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB. That's where you get all of our new podcasts, articles, news and notes, everything that is shared out on Twitter via our baseball department. You guys can check it out over at EthosFantasyBB. And if you haven't checked out SportsEthos.com, that's where you get the rest of our content, baseball included, of course, and then everything else we got going on, NBA, which is wrapping up the season now, we're into the playoffs, NFL is starting to get underway, not in reality, but the fantasy talk is starting to really pick up, and of course, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals as well, there's a lot of great coverage across all the major sports, wagering, we got DFS, we got team coverage, a lot of stuff for you guys to be sinking your teeth into at sportsethos.com. Uh, sports you figure I know where I work by this point, but sometimes, I mean, it is Friday, so you can give me a little break here. Uh, but we're going to be talking about some news and notes that have happened today. I- I've mentioned it from time to time. I really do sometimes wish that I did a weekly podcast as opposed to a daily podcast. I love knowing every day, don't get me wrong, that I'm going to sit down in front of the mic and I'm going to be able to talk about baseball for, you know, whether it's a 20-minute show, whether it's an hour-and-a-half show, uh, whatever it is. I, I love knowing that I'm going to sit down every day and talk some shop. That being said, some days... There's really not that much to go over every single day. You can talk about you know little things with lineups, and you can talk about hot players and cold players. We do a lot of that over on social. On the pod, I like to talk more about the actual news of the day. Every now and then, I'll sprinkle in, you know, there's a hot player or two to talk about. And there's actually one we're going to talk about today uh, that I'm interested in. A couple of guys, really, but one in particular that I'm really, really interested in. We're going to talk about him later on. I just wish... I don't know. If I did a show once a week, it really I, I envy the people who do weekly shows because there's just so much information for people who do news and notes sections for, you know, let's say a once weekly or even twice weekly show. There's a lot more to go over than we have here on a daily basis. Now, that being said, still a couple things that are in need of being talked of, uh, about today. So let's talk first about a pretty recent bit of news we got here. It's Chris Sale. He was transferred to the 60-day injured list. It's a stress reaction. Oh, I can't speak today. I think it's because it's Friday. I think my brain is starting to check out. So we'll get through this one. Uh, salesman diagnosed with a stress reaction in his left scapula. It's more commonly referred to as a shoulder blade. That is generally what it is called. So this is essentially a stress reaction in the shoulder blade. There's no surgery that will be needed as of this time. They're, they're not talking about putting Chris Sale under the knife, which is very good, but he'll be shut down for at least three to four weeks. Give him a bunch of rest. And he won't be eligible to return now until August the 2nd. That's not good. We're at the point where if you don't have IL spots, then yes, it is time to probably say goodbye to Chris Sale. Not even probably. It is time to say goodbye to Chris Sale. I advocated last week. I said, you know, we're probably heading in that direction, knowing Chris Sale and the way that his career has gone and the fact that he's typically very injury prone. Once we saw the news that there was an injury in the arm, you kind of think, okay, this is... You're, you're not, you have no reason to be optimistic, essentially. But now, at this point, uh, it, it's, he's got to be dropped, right? I was trying to hold out hope and say, you know, maybe put him on the IL or keep him on your bench or whatever your league settings allow and just wait until we have more information. <clears throat> well, this is the more information at this point that Chris Sale is going to be gone for the next six weeks, probably more, probably well, at least eight weeks, actually, pretty much from where we are. It's June the 9th. I guess you can call it seven weeks. Uh, but whatever, whatever you're talking about here, Chris Sale's not going to have much use to you this summer. Let's say he comes back when he is eligible to come back, you know, beginning of August. 
Will he get ramped up enough to be able to contribute at all from a fantasy point of view? I'm going to lean probably not. I, I don't think that they're going to even really put that much effort into it. And not that that came out the wrong way. Not even that put too much effort into it. But the Red Sox are currently sitting in last place in the American League East. It's a close, fairly close division still. They're only five games behind you know, the Blue Jays, but the Rays are just so far ahead of everybody else. The Red Sox are going to have to go for a wild card spot. They're currently five games out, which is not the end of the world. I feel like you give this a couple months, you know, they really don't have much high-end pitching, especially without Sale. I don't know if they'll be able to really stay in the race. I don't know if Chris Sale is going to be rushed back at all or, you know, expedited in any way to get him back to a last-place team. We're talking about a 34-year-old who is never able to stay healthy. I think there's a decent chance the Red Sox throw in the towel on Chris Sale for this season and say, you know what, we'll try again next year or something along those lines. And we're starting to get to the point where his career is really in jeopardy. You know, we talked about this a lot with Jacob DeGrom a couple days ago about how we were deprived of that prime. We actually got it with Chris Sale for a lot longer than we got with DeGrom, but we still haven't seen a full season from him since 2019. It's been a long, long time. And 2019 wasn't a good full season for him either. It was his worst year as a pro. Uh, it was the worst. I mean, you look at these last couple seasons, I guess you could classify any of them as his worst year as a pro. But 2019 was horrendous, and then he missed all of 2020. And these last three years combined, we are looking at 22 starts. You got to wonder if it's getting close to the point where Chris Sale wants to call it a career. We're going to have to see how he's able to recover from this. At this point, it's really not looking good. But for the fantasy point of view for today, what you guys should be doing is sending him back to waiver wires, regardless of your format. There's just really, really no need in holding on to him at this point. It's unfortunate, but it's just the reality of the situation. You wish him the best. You hope he's able to beat the timeline. And if he does come back and they, you know, he is able to make a return, make some starts, then he becomes an interesting possible streamer. Maybe he gets picked up depending on you know what the matchups look like and how he is able to get ramped up. There's a lot of variables, but I think it's pretty safe to say that we've seen the end of Chris Sale's fantasy value for this season. Uh, you know he, He's eligible to come back with almost two months left, but I just don't know that they're going to actually get him ramped up and going in time and actually you know put in, like I said earlier, that effort to really get him game ready for a team that's going to be you know likely in last place. we got to see how the season shakes out, but it's not looking very promising right now for those who have Chris Sale, so I'd be more than happy to send him back to the wire. Let's talk about an interesting bit of news that came out last night after we recorded. Uh, I want to talk about this, though. So apparently the Mets have sent scouts to look at Cincinnati Reds' closer Alexis Diaz. He is the brother of their current star closer, injured closer, Edwin Diaz. And he's been incredible. Alexis Diaz is somebody that I was kind of a little bit worried about. You know, he was he well, well overperformed his expected stats last season. I was a little bit worried about will he be able to put this together over a course of a full season, pitching in a very hitter-friendly ballpark. I was nervous. And my my fears have been absolutely quelled at this point by Alexis Diaz. He's striking out nearly 50% of batters. 48.9. I mean, that's ridiculous. He's walking too many batters, probably. But uh, you know, even at 11.7% walk rate, You'll take that when you look at the 48.9% strikeout rate. For those of you who prefer strikeouts per nine, 17.01. And for those of you who prefer the traditional numbers, 24 and a third innings pitched, 46 strikeouts for Alexis Diaz. If you look at Yahoo player rankers, he's in the top two rounds worth of value. 23rd currently ranked on the season, 14 saves, a couple of wins, 148 ERA, a .82 whip. He's just been fantastic. You know, he's been he's been phenomenal. I thought he'd take a step back a little bit from that amazing 
you know, half season, most, uh, maybe not a half season. Yeah, maybe it was like three quarters of a season we saw from him last year. I didn't think we'd we'd see anything close to that again. And I have been mistaken. Actually, he pitched in 59 games last season. For whatever reason, I thought it was less than that. But he actually gave you most of a season. And, you know, he gave you a 184 ERA. I was just worried that the XFIP was 397. You know, the FIP was 332. He was outperforming. But this season, the XFIP is 195. The FIP is 110. The XERA is 181. He's been amazing across the board. Now, if the Mets get him, it's not so they can stick him in the seventh inning or something. It would likely be as the closer. And this creates kind of a complicated situation from a number of perspectives. So David Robertson would probably be out of a job. David Robertson has already blown the last two opportunities he's gotten here in the ninth inning. So eh, maybe he's kind of on thin ice already at this point. He's had a great season, so there's probably a little bit of leeway still that he's got. But he struggles a couple times. Alexis Diaz comes into town. David Robertson owners are shit out of luck in terms of saves. If you're a saves plus holds, then you'd probably be fine. But if you're just a saves owner or a saves league player, uh, and you have David Robertson, you got to be pretty nervous right now. We talked about it last week. Maybe it was earlier this week or the end of last week about Edwin Diaz potentially coming back at the end of this season. There was already a lot of worry about, maybe not a lot of worry, but there's some worry in my mind about David Robertson potentially losing his job down the stretch if Edwin Diaz comes back. Now that has kind of been magnified even more so because Alexis is healthy. You know, if Edwin Diaz comes back, it'd probably be the last couple weeks of the season and he might screw you in head-to-head, but Roto, you're fine. With Alexis, if he comes over, you know, let's say in the next few weeks or so, whenever potentially like they're talking about with this trade, and, and nothing's set in stone. They're just kicking tires, sending scouts over. But that would be pretty much the end of David Robertson for, for value in a saves league. So uh, I'm going to say today, sell high on David Robertson. Uh, not, not even necessarily high, just sell. Because you're still looking at a guy with a sub-2 ERA, whip just over one. He's got 10 saves, great strikeout numbers, couple of victories. I think you should try and sell David Robertson, and not for nothing, you know, sell, like I said, sell high, and it's kind of tricky after a couple of bad outings in a row, but if people are not really buying into the Alexis Diaz news, I'd like to think that Steve Cohen is going to spend a bunch of money to try and do what he can with this team, because A, he has the deep pockets, and B, they're literally garbage. They're 30 and 33. They've been awful recently. They have a negative run differential. They have been horrendous. I would be shocked if he doesn't make a move. Maybe not exactly this one, but something to bolster that bullpen, something to boost through the lineup as well. We're going to talk about a, a bit of an issue in that lineup as well in a second. <clears throat> I would be surprised if they don't make a move. Maybe it's not this move exactly, but I'd be shocked if there's not somebody that comes over to that bullpen. And if it's Alexis Diaz, it would make sense. His brother's already there. He's played very well. He's a young guy who probably won't be crazy, crazy expensive. I'm, I'm very hard to gauge uh, markets for trades in Major League Baseball. I'm not really sure, actually, what the market would be for Alexis Diaz, but can't imagine it would be crazy high. I don't know if they'd have to send over a top prospect or anything like that. Closers are very volatile. I don't know that they would do that. Uh, but I think that David Robertson, you know, one way or another, by the time the season is over, I don't think he'll have the ninth inning rule. I, I really think that one of the Diaz brothers is going to take it from him at some point. If it's Edwin, then it's not something you really have to worry about, especially if you're in a roto league. It'll be the last couple weeks of the season. But if you're in a head-to-head league and you got him, I would be a little bit nervous about this potential Alexis Diaz trade, about potentially Edwin Diaz coming back as well. Maybe it's both of them. Maybe they acquire Alexis and Edwin comes back and Robertson's pitching the sixth or seventh inning. Everything's on the table at this point. I just would say, you know, it's not like you have to sell Robertson. I think he's going to be still the closer for the time being. Um, But... There's, there's some things in the back of my mind that are a little bit concerning down the stretch. We might see him lose that role, and then 
you're left shit out of luck. So just see what the market is on him at this point. Let's talk about Pete Alonso. I just mentioned that there is a something to talk about with the lineup that is not great. Pete Alonso has been put on the IL, and he's expected to miss three to four weeks. A bone bruise and a sprain in his left wrist. This is horrendous. I had a futures bet on him for MVP, and it's not looking great at this point. I mean, I thought there was a decent chance. 22 home runs already, even with a low batting average. I thought there was kind of an outside chance maybe down the line. He ends up with, you know, maybe he had 60 home runs and forces the voters' hands or something. That ticket's probably thrown out at this point, but the missing three to four weeks part of this is really bad for a te- Mets team, like I just said, has already been piss poor, and now they're going to miss out on their best hitter in Pete Alonso. It's not good. It's really, really not good. I would say that, obviously, you're not dropping him. That was, okay, didn't even need to phrase it like that because that was kind of deceptive the way I phrased that, but yes, you're not dropping him. What I want to talk about is just a couple of people that I would be looking at to potentially replace him. Not to say that they're available in every league or that you need to add them or whatever, but just a couple of guys to take a look at. And I mentioned one of them yesterday, Ryan Noda. Ryan Noda has been really good for the Oakland A's. He's 11% rostered on Yahoo. He's been really good recently and even for the whole season. Seven homers, a couple steals, decent batting average. Considering where you drafted him or picked him up, he's giving you a decent value. He's just outside the top 250 players for the season, which doesn't sound great, but that is fairly relevant in most leagues. Uh, That's factoring in pitchers and position players. It's definitely interesting. Definitely interesting to me. If you want to look at Lamont Wade, I know that he is somebody who's kind of cooled off a little bit, but last week has actually been pretty good. Uh, He's 43% rostered in Yahoo leagues. And when I say cooled off, honestly, he hasn't really. It's just been kind of a lack of home runs after he seemed to be hitting a bunch of them there earlier in the season. But he's still batting for the season 282, eight homers, two steals. He's got first base and outfield eligibility. Very interesting to me still. Harold Ramirez as well. He's another guy who is producing, it seems like, every day in that Tampa lineup. He's just about inside the top 150 on the season. Nearly batting 300, nine homers, a couple of steals. Brandon Belt has also started to really heat up for the Blue Jays recently over this last month. He has batted 324 with three home runs. And then there's one last guy, and I mentioned this earlier today on Twitter, that I actually have a lot of interest in depending on if you can find him, because there's a lot of leagues where you probably won't be able to find him, but Josh Naylor. Josh Naylor, over the last month, he's 30 for his last 73, which is a 4.11 average. He's got 15 runs, 5 homers, 24 RBIs, and a couple of steals. And I mentioned when I sent this tweet out this morning, people gave up on him really quickly, and he's still available in some leagues because of it. I, I honestly don't think he should be available on any waiver wires. But Josh Naylor is only 70% rostered. He was 67% earlier when I sent this tweet out. Not that I think people are listening to me, but it's good to see people are actually going out and adding him. He's a borderline top 100 player. He's number 10 over the last month. Surprising that he's not higher based on the fact that he's just been dominating everywhere. He's just been amazing. Josh Naylor has been fantastic so far. I know that it was kind of a cold start and people dropped him, but... I literally sent out a tweet maybe a month ago with his StatCast page, completely red, yet people were dropping him all over the place. I believe he fell below 50% rostered. He's up 18% this week, so he was at 52 last week on Yahoo. So, yeah, I believe he was below 50. Somebody who's helping you out in all the categories. You know, he's not giving you a ton of steals, but he's got four. I mean, hell, he's got more than Bo does this season. He's got eight homers. He's got 43 ribbies, which is really good. 21 runs. He's not going to score you a ton of runs, but 15 this last month, it is a good sign. Overall, Josh Naylor should be rostered in every single league. Now, I mentioned some lower rostered guys like your Notas, and, you know, but I, I think that if you can get him, he's the guy that I would be prioritizing here, Josh Naylor. You know, Ryan Noda is interesting to me. Lamont Wade is kind of interesting to me, Brandon Belt, but Josh Naylor is the guy where if he is sitting on your waiver wire, 
please go and pick him up. There are definitely worse options there. And if you're playing on Yahoo, you're getting Naylor, who is first and outfield eligible, as opposed to most platforms where you're just getting first base. So he's definitely somebody I would be looking into. But guys, that's going to wrap it up for us for this week. Like I mentioned, next week we are going to be talking about some rest-of-season rankings. I'm going to be pulling those together over this weekend, and we're going to be talking about them. I'm not sure how I'll roll them out exactly if we'll talk about There will be an article at some point, but I'm going to talk about them on the podcast here because I know some people, it depends who you are. Some people prefer reading. Some people prefer listening. Some people prefer a combination of the two of them. But we're going to talk about them here on the podcast. At the very least, I'll do a top 10 for each position for the rest of the season, hopefully a little bit deeper as well. Uh, we'll see how much time I can get. Work has been an absolute zoo for me recently. Very, very busy time. So apologies for the later in the day shows that have been not as long as you typically expect from me. It just work's been kicking my ass recently, guys. And I do apologize for that. But we're going to get some fun content out next week with the rankings. And I hope you guys are there for the ride. Subscribe to the pod and leave us a rating and review if you haven't done so already. That really, really, truly helps new people to see the show. It helps me know that you guys are you know, listening and doing the stuff that we appreciate you guys doing over here at Sports Ethos. And it really means a lot. So please go ahead, hit the five-star button, subscribe to the pod so you get them as soon as they are released. And go check me out over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Also at E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB, Ethos Fantasy BB, for all of your fantasy baseball needs. And of course, SportsEthos.com. For all the rest of our content. Guys, I hope you have an amazing weekend. Just have a relaxing time watching some baseball, hanging out with friends and family, and doing whatever it is you guys do to unwind. But until Monday, take care, guys. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you later. Cheers. Cheers.